uh, Moses asked the Lord at that burning bush, he said, Who am I that should go stand before Pharaoh? And God said, Moses, who you are is not important. You go tell them who I am. Moses said, well, what's your name? He said, you go tell them I am that I am. That means he's God all by himself. He always has been God and he always will be God. And I'm thankful for that. I want you to turn to Revelation chapter number 19 in your Bible. And we've been looking at what John saw in this book. I appreciate all the wonderful text messages from last Sunday, what the message on heaven meant to so many of you. And when you've got as many over there as you got over here, heaven does mean something to you. And I'm glad we do have a better place to go. The Lord willing, tonight we're going to preach on these seven churches and God's promise to the church and we're going to preach on it will be worth it all. Because there's a sevenfold promise God gives us to those that overcome the world and flesh and the devil. God's got a special blessing. And man, I've enjoyed looking at the book. I don't want to come today to John chapter 19, uh, Revelation chapter 19, and uh, John, the first six verses. And we've been looking at what John saw. But I believe today we need to take a quick look at Praise God, what John heard. He not only saw the risen Christ, but he heard him. He not only saw the holy city, but he heard the sounds of that holy city. Now, chapter 19, remember, is when he returns with his saints to rule and to reign. Remember chapter 4, the church is raptured. Chapter 19, the church is Returning, And then chapter 20, 21, the church is rejoicing. But right before chapter 19 announces the return of Christ with his saints on that white horse, heaven erupts in a special praise service. Now all through the Bible, even in the Old Testament, heaven has been known to erupt in praise. In fact, when Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, the heavenly praise was, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Jesus said three times in Luke's gospel, the 15th chapter, that when one sinner, just one, uh, repents and comes to God, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God. But here in chapter 19, right before that heaven door opens and he comes on that white horse, not for, but with his saints, heaven, those that are there. Now, I believe that means the church is there. We've been there since chapter 4. And we're getting ready to come back with him. The Old Testament saints are there. The elders are there. And uh, and right before that door opens and that revelation comes, that great multitude that is in heaven, and by the way, that won't be the first time they broke out in praise. They did that as soon as they got there in chapter 4. And then if you'll go home and read chapter 5, that's the greatest manifestation of public eternal praise 
you, you'll ever see. And by the way, all of the praise was audible. For my Baptist friends, all of that phrase, praise, was audible. It's hard for me to fathom that a voice like many waters. Anybody ever heard the ocean? I heard it. And you say, well, I'm deaf. You ain't going to be deaf when you get there. Now, some of you women have selective hearing. You're not as bad hearing as you say you are. That point did not go over, Barry. But audible praise is in the Bible. Everything I breath, praise the Lord. Worship can be silent. Thanksgiving can be silent. But praise, that's audible. And so right before he comes with his saints to rule and reign on that white horse, Heaven breaks out. Those that are there, it breaks out in a special form of praise like never before. Four times in these six verses, that great multitude that is in heaven breaks out in audible praise unto the Lord. And I want you to read with me about it and circle it and we're going to have a time with this right here. Look in verse 19, and after these things. Now, if you don't understand the book of the Revelation, if you'll just get a grip on every time God says after these things, you will never be messed up in your eschatology. You won't ever have the church in the wrong spot. You won't ever have Israel in the wrong spot. If you will get a grip on the after these things, it will unlock the treasures of this book. And it says, and after these things, I heard a great voice of, say that with me, much people in heaven saying, hallelujah. I want you to say that with me. Hallelujah. Say that with me again. Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and honor and power under the Lord our God. Glory. Verse 2, for true and righteous are his judgments. For he hath judged the great whore, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again, they said, said with me, Hallelujah. Say it real good now. Hallelujah. And they said, Hallelujah. And her smoke went up forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne saying, and I love this double praise, Amen. Now say it with me. Hallelujah. Say that good and loud now. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. I've been like a broken record this week. Everywhere I go, Walmart, the grocery store, the drug. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. At the airport. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think I got reported three or four times. Amen. Hallelujah. You know what I got to say about Jesus Christ? Amen. Hallelujah. All right, look at verse 5. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. 
And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the voice of many waters, as the voice of mighty thunderings. Anybody here ever heard it thunder? I'm telling you, it's audible. And he said, and the voice of the mighty thundering said, said with me now, hallelujah. Said with me now, hallelujah. For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Hallelujah. This is called the four hallelujahs of Revelation chapter 19. Now, before my dear Baptist friends write me off, let me explain to you what hallelujah means. It means the same thing as the Old Testament word, hallelujah. Now, if you're from North Georgia or Tennessee or Texas or North Carolina, it's hallelujah. Everything's got an E-R on it. Georgia, Atlanta. That's right, folks. That's, that's the way it's really spelled, I believe. But in the country, they say hallelujah. Now, you'll not find the word Oh, can y'all take this? You don't find the word hallelujah in the Bible. Now, you search your Bible over Old Testament, New Testament. You won't find the word at all in the Bible, hallelujah. Because that is the Greek expression of the term, praise the Lord. If you were a Jew and you picked up the Jewish book of Psalms 24 times, you would see the word hallelujah. That means to God be praised, to Yahweh be praised. So when you say the word hallelujah with an H, it means praise the Lord. And it's the Hebrew spelling of that phrase, praise the Lord, hallelujah, Jehovah, God, Yahweh, be praised. It is the way the Hebrews said the phrase, praise the Lord, and they liked it and they called it hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say that. Hallelujah. It ain't hurt you. Say that again. Hallelujah. That means praise the Lord. I thought it was very interesting that the word hallelujah is the only word in all languages that is pronounced and spelled and means the same thing in every language. It is the universal word, whether you're speaking French, Spanish, or Georgian. Hallelujah means praise the Lord. Okay, well, Brother Joe, we come to the New Testament. And this is the only place this word is found. What's that mean? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brother Joe, what's the difference between hallelujah and uh, hallelujah? Well, number one, it means the same thing. Praise the Lord. So if it bothers you to say hallelujah, then say hallelujah. If you think that's too country to say hallelujah, then say hallelujah. Just make sure you say one of them because he is worthy of our praise. The technical difference between the word with an H, 
hallelujah, and the word hallelujah with a A. The H hallelujah is the Hebrew spelling of praise the Lord. But hallelujah is the Latin Greek spelling of praise the Lord. So if you want to be tied to the Jewish tradition, say hallelujah. If you want to be more in the New Testament and up on your Greek and your Latin, you say hallelujah. And by the way, if you don't want to say hallelujah, if you don't want to say hallelujah, just say praise the Lord. I, I, when, when, I, when I was studying the etymology of these words, I thought about Popo Nuja. I would have loved to have spent more time with Papa Nugent. Uh, one of my favorite lines was, I'd say, Papa Nugent, you looking good today. He'd say, there ain't never been nothing wrong with my looks. He was real humble about that. But Brother Shane said one night, they was in a singing, it was kind of dry, and said, Papa was going to testify. I love this. I've told it all over the country. I got some of my friends doing it. Got one of my buddies voted out. But anyway, he said, folks, people worship God and praise the Lord in many different ways. Some people cry when they get blessed. Some people laugh when they get blessed. Some people shout when they get blessed. And some people don't do nothing like y'all doing when you get blessed. But whether you say hallelujah or whether you say hallelujah, whether you're saying it in the Hebrew form or the Latin Greek form, you're simply saying, praise the Lord. So let's have a little audience participation. Let's see how well y'all doing to this day. I'm going to let y'all be the hallelujahs. You ready? Lord, they are, they mean better than that. One more time. Hallelujah. We're going to let you guys here be the hallelujahs. Are you ready? You ready? I believe they've done better. One more time. All right. Y'all just wait a minute. Y'all in the middle. Y'all going to get stuck. Let's let you guys be the hallelujah. You ready? One more time. Oh, hallelujah. And we're going to let y'all, the country of people over here, be the hallelujah. You ready? Come on. Hallelujah. So we got, when I point to you, you go hallelujah. You go, hallelujah, y'all not saved. And you come over here, and you'll do hallelujah, and let you do hallelujah. You ready? Let's do that. All right, here we go. And you in the middle go, praise ye the Lord. All right, you ready? Here we go. That crowd's in tongues and you're doing the interpretation right here in the middle. Hallelujah means praise ye the Lord. And ladies and gentlemen, in the book of Revelation, chapter 19, right before Jesus comes out of that open door, riding that right horse with his saints to rule in the rain, all those that are in heaven break out in all of a praise four times and say, Hallelujah! Praise you the Lord. I've got a friend of mine. I hope he's listening today. 
Because he makes fun of people, and he shouldn't do that. He makes fun of people who say, hallelujah. He said, why don't they say hallelujah like the rest of us? But what he don't understand is when somebody is saying hallelujah, they're saying the word that is in the Bible. And don't ever run your mouth about nobody repeating a word they read in the Bible. It is okay if the church says, hallelujah. It's in the Bible. And it's okay if the church says, hallelujah, because that means praise the Lord and that's in the Bible. Or if you're an ultra dispensationalist and you got this real hang up about the Old Testament and about the New Testament, well, get square right down in the Gospels and watch Jesus riding a donkey into Jerusalem and really get the Vulgate and say, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hosanna. Praise ye the Lord. And somewhere in that crowd is an old born again Baptist that jumps in and says, Amen, hallelujah. And I believe somewhere in that crowd is going to be my mama. Thank you, Jesus. And there might be somewhere in there a J.B. Arthur that is just go, Whew. My daddy would be a preaching God, get on him. He'd get happy. He'd go, Whew. And I asked him one day, I said, Dad, what does, he said, that means hallelujah in Hebrew. There might be a Billy Kelly in that crowd that says, well, glory. But how many believes with your pastor this morning, whether you say hallelujah, hallelujah, hosanna, well, glory, thank you, Jesus. It means praise the Lord. I don't think today there is any argument that he is worthy to be audibly praised now and throughout all eternity. Praise ye the Lord. And boy, in about 10 minutes, I'll be done. But I want to give you four reasons. These four hallelujahs. Four reasons why when you read these six verses that heaven erupts in this audible, majestic praise. Hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. Number one, his plan is revealed. The ultimate plan of God is revealed. When I saw this the other day in my hotel room, I liked to tore the curtains down. The very first reason God's people that are in heaven break out in this audible praise, look in verse number one, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah. I said, I'll tell you what let's do. Every time I say hallelujah, you holler back at me and say, praise the Lord. You ready? And much people in heaven said, hallelujah. Look at the very first word. Glory, Gus. Look at the very first word. 
that follows the first volcanic eruption of audible praise to the saints of God that are in heaven. Say that one word with me. Salvation. Well, glory. That's the second word. Someone said, why would all of heaven break out in audible praise? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That answers the question right there. Salvation. Have you ever wondered why salvation was the first reason that all the saints would praise the Lord? Because that's how they got there. They didn't say hallelujah for water baptism. They didn't say hallelujah for church membership. They didn't say hallelujah for religious or denominational dogma or tag. Salvation. Can I remind you today, ladies and gentlemen, only saved people go to heaven. Not religious people. Not just Baptist people. Not just holiness people. The only people that are walk the streets of gold are those that obtained salvation. And no matter what you put before your name or behind your name or above your name or under your name, there's only one way to obtain salvation. And that's through the cross and the death and the blood and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, receiving Christ as your Savior, being born again of the Holy Spirit. And I'm wondering, do we have anybody today in this room right now that possesses the one treasure of salvation, then we ought to say, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The very first thing they thank him for and praise him for is salvation. Notice how they describe salvation in the rest of the verse. Salvation. What's the second word? And glory. What a wonderful, glorious thing to know Christ as Savior. That word glory means audible worship of the sovereign God of heaven. And the reason why we give glory to the glorious God of heaven is because of the glorious treasure of salvation. Man, follow that little word glory in your Bible. Over there in the book of Genesis, Abraham was a heathen and his father was a heathen and his brother was an idol God maker. But on the plains of Mamre, the Bible said, and the God of glory appeared unto Abraham. And when the God of glory appeared unto Abraham, he turned his back on every idol. He turned his back on his family's religion. He turned his back on his family tradition because he had not met a dead God a mystical God some fake God the God of glory appeared unto Abraham that's why he could walk with God in a sinful world worship God in a sinful world wait on God in a sinful world because he had met the God of glory you say preacher that's awesome but that's way back in the book of Genesis well what about you and I today that are walking through the living book of Colossians where 
For it's in Christ in you, the hope of glory. In fact, you got it better than Abraham. The God of glory just appeared unto him. But that moment salvation came to you through the blood of Jesus Christ. The God of glory did more than appear to you. The God of glory moved inside of you. Glory. Salvation. Glory. Notice how he describes it. And honor. Don't you think today we ought to honor God for the wonderful treasure of salvation? Why would we give God the honor? You give people honor because they do things that excels and a lot of times they do things that nobody has ever done. Can I tell you this? Nobody's ever saved a sinner. Nobody ever could save a sinner. And the only one that's ever saved a sinner or ever will save a sinner, it's that Lamb of God that sits upon that throne. And I want to say, hallelujah, praise the Lord for salvation, the glory of salvation and the honor of salvation. And then he says not only salvation and glory and honor, but he even says, and power unto our God. Ladies and gentlemen, the greatest display of power is when God reaches down and saves a sinner. I'm amazed at the power of God in the Bible. I'm amazed that God can step out on nothing and carve out the mountains, trace down the rivers, dig out the oceans. I'm amazed that God can have such power and pick up a lump of dirt and breathe in it and it become a living soul. And that's why God said, give me your breath back in praise because everything I breath ought to praise the Lord. I'm amazed at the power of God. I'm amazed how he can smash the walls of Jericho with his power. I'm amazed he can part the Red Sea with his power. I'm amazed he can make a dead accent swim with his power. I'm amazed, ladies and gentlemen, that he can perform the miracles all through the Bible with power. The miracle of a virgin birth the miracle of a sinless life, the miracle of a voluntary death, the miracle of a bodily resurrection. What power, what power. But I'm telling you today, ladies and gentlemen, the greatest demonstration of the power of God. And by the way, Mount Everest, Mount Everest, the Sahara Desert, the Atlantic Ocean, the Pacific Ocean, Kelsey's Ocean, Kelsey's Pond. You, Andy Griffith's got that one. But the greatest demonstration of power. It's not carving out the mountains, tracing down the rivers, scooping out the oceans, but the greatest demonstration of power that God can reach in the very depths of sin, way below the bottom, and take a black heart, wash it in red blood, and it comes out whiter than snow. He can take a man that's on a bobslide to hell, and in a moment twinkling of an eye, turn him toward heaven and take him to the celestial city of the living God. You want to talk about power. Talk more about the power of the angels and more than the power of miracles and more than the power of creation. Talk about this. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. But to as many as received him to them gave he power 
to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Ladies and gentlemen, may I emphasize the re- the reason heaven broke out in audible. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord because salvation and glory and honor and power. Ladies and gentlemen, they were praising God because his plan is now revealed. Let me tell you something that'll change your Bible study. From the Garden of Eden to the city of God. Everything in the Bible, every type, every foreshadow, every prophecy, every plan, everything in the Bible is all a little part of the big picture. What is that? Saving sinners. Redeeming back lost creation from the fall. Undoing what the devil messed up in that little garden called Eden. Taking people that are lost and unworthy. Not letting them taste the flames or the fires of hell. But letting them live forever in heaven in the city of God. With their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I don't care where you take the Bible, where you open the Bible, where you cut the Bible, where you teach the Bible, whether it's a prophecy, whether it's a psalm, uh, whether it's a miracle, whether it's a prediction, whether it's whatever it is, it's a little piece of a big old puzzle called the salvation of lost mankind. That's what God's been aiming for. That's what God's been up to. That's what God's been doing behind the scene. Saving, rescuing, restoring, having people in heaven with more right to praise Him than the cherubims and the seraphims. Oh, when you see Abel by that altar, that's a picture of blood salvation. When you see Noah that ark, that's a picture of the security of the believer. When you see Abraham and Isaac up the mountain, that's a picture of the substitutionary death of Christ. When you see Moses by the brazen serpent, it's the power of the cross. When you see Aaron in the holy of holies on the blood altar and the glory coming, that's a picture of God filling the believer who's been washed in the blood of Christ. The psalmist sung about it. The prophets wrote about it. Brother Ecclesiastes preached about it. And it's all pointing to one, pointing to one. A man named John the Baptist came and prepared the way and said, I believe I see him coming. Behold the Lamb of God that take the way the sin of the world and then one day that Lamb of God stood forth and said I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life and he prayed in Gethsemane and he stood before Pilate and he died on Calvary but early one Easter Sunday morning he knocked the head off of that tomb and up from the grave he arose he ascended into heaven put his blood on the mercy seat sat down at the right hand of the throne of God and the next thing on his plan is to say Gabriel pick up your trumpet and blow and the sky comes back. Here he comes with it for his saints. And one day soon, very soon, we are going to realize God's plan has now been completed. Everything that pointed to it, everything that promised it, everything that prophesied it, it's better than Abel by an altar. It's better than Abraham and Isaac by the altar. It's better than Moses.
Moses by the bush, Aaron in the Holy of Holies. It's even better than Noah and his little ark ride. You know what it is? A bunch of lost, unworthy, filthy, degenerate sinners like you and I that'll be saved by the grace of God and stand in His presence forever and forever. And when they saw the plan of God finally revealed, they couldn't help it but say, Hallelujah! Salvation and honor and glory. Amen. I don't have time for my other three hallelujahs. So you come back next week and we're going to get hallelujah number two. And then we're going to get hallelujah number three. Then we'll get hallelujah number four. And by the time we get there, we may be saying hallelujah to the throne of God. And I just felt like I needed to emphasize that. Salvation. That's it. That's why they broke out in praise. That's it. Now, later on, they're going to hallelujah some more. They're going to hallelujah some more over some more wonderful things. But you better watch this step. You better watch this progression. Before they ever go hallelujah for anything else, they got a hallelujah for salvation. Because that's how they got there. And please listen to your pastor for just a moment and we'll pray. I want you to come and enjoy the music. I want you to come and listen to the preaching and I hope you learn something. I want you to go to these Sunday school classes, let these people pour into you and I want you to learn something. I want you to cultivate friendships. I want you to cultivate fellowship. I want you to have more people involved in your family than you're for and no more. I don't want you to enjoy everything the church has to offer. For your children, your teenagers, you young adults. I want you to enjoy what the church has to offer. I want you to get everything you can out of it. But listen to me. Ultimately, if you miss salvation, nothing else matters. Because in hell, there won't be the pretty singing. In hell, there won't be the Bible preaching. In hell, there won't be the sweet fellowship. And the only way you're going to miss hell and gain heaven, you got to be saved. you got to have salvation. And again, no one has ever obtained salvation apart from believing and receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't care what you've heard on the television, what you've heard on the radio, and what you've been watching on the boob tube, the YouTube, and what you've heard from other pulpits. There is no way to obtain salvation other than receiving Christ as your personal Savior and what He done at Calvary. And ladies and gentlemen, once we know that we're saved and we have that assurance, that's the only reason anybody needs to say, Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! If you miss salvation, you're going to miss heaven. And later on in this series of messages, I wouldn't be worth my salt as a gospel preacher if I didn't tell you everything that John saw. And some things that John saw are not glamorous and they're not glorious, but they're truthful. 
And he saw death and hell cast into the lake of fire. He saw a great white throne judgment where God judged every man. And he saw the lake of fire open and consume those whose names were not written in that book. He saw that too. But I want to remind you of something. When I saw the horrors of hell and the horrors of the great white throne judgment and the horrors of the lake of fire, no one that had salvation got even close to that. They was in the pavilion of the king in the city of the living God. You said, but brother Joe, I'm good. You're not good enough. But I'm moral. You're not moral enough. Listen, nobody's too mean to be saved and nobody's too good not to need to be saved. It's all on the ground level. You must be born again. And isn't it an awesome thing that the reason why the heavens break out in audible hallelujah for the very first time and the very first word out of their mouth, hallelujah. Next one, salvation, salvation. I wonder if there's anybody here who believes that he is worthy Worthy of our praise if it was salvation and that alone. Hallelujah. For salvation. I worry about some of our young people. I worry about some of you adults that get comfortable being in the presence of the Lord. They get comfortable in the service. That get comfortable in the preaching. It's just like you go on to another spectator event your pastor is dealing with eternal matters the choir is singing about eternal matters this is not piccadilly where you go down the assembly line and pick this and refuse that pick this and refuse that this is a necessity you got to be saved if you want to go to heaven And I want to say this, it would be terrible to me to die without Christ and go to hell from any continent, any place on the map, but to go to hell from an old-fashioned Bible-believing, shouting, blood-preaching, gospel-preaching church. I don't want to embarrass my wife, but she can take it. Me and her both have a problem wearing a seatbelt. We think it's an, in, an, an intrusion of our privacy. If, if we want to get ejected, going to 90 mile an hour, hallelujah. Now, I'm going to tell you what's real crazy in South Carolina. You can ride a motorcycle with no helmet, but they'll t- ticket you for not having a seatbelt on. No wonder they don't win football games. Can I say? <laughs> Sammy K hates that. Brother. But the other day, we got in the car and and I don't care what kind of car you got. You can have the low one on the totem pole or the one with all the bells and whistles. And your, your, your engine may break down. Your spark plugs, Ricky, may clog up. Your tires may go flat. Your brakes may squeak. Your transmission may not transmit. Your water pump maybe in your car may go. But you go to a junkyard. You go to a junkyard with a battery. You hook it up to any piece of junk in that junkyard. Bam, 
The buzzers never die. If General Motors, Ford, Chrysler, if they could make it, Kia, Hallelujah, Hyundai, if they could make an engine or a transmission that would last as longer as beep, 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 we could drive them a million miles. Now, I'm not into all of that, but I think I know why they don't make them to last that long. Because they want you to buy another one. But that don't mean, Jerry, you got to buy one every six weeks. We got in the car the other day. Now, some of these new ones, you might as well put it on. It ain't quitting. It, it may be like, it, 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 it may be like your mother-in-law or something and take a breath, but it'll start back again. First time she and I went out to California and preached for Dr. Treber, him and Mitch Treber's going to take us out to eat. He looked over at her, looked over at me and says, Mrs. Arthur, don't you and Dr. Arthur ever wear seat belts? She said, when people we ride with make us. He said, well, put it on. I'm making you. You know, it is California. He said, doesn't the buzzer, the beeper, the bleep, bleep, bleep bother you? She said, I live with him. Nothing bothers me. He said, no, seriously, Miss Arthur, doesn't that beep, 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 beep. Doesn't that get on your nerves? And she said, Dr. Treber, I've heard that so much. And Joanna talked so much when she was a kid. I tuned it out. I don't even hear it. She said, I've heard that so much and I've just ignored that so much that I don't even hear it. We're talking about something trivial. I understand that. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm afraid a lot of people have heard the music, heard the singing, heard the preaching. And it's like that little buzzer. They've ignored it so long that they don't even hear it. Clint Kearns called me the other day. He said, are you coming by Crossville, Tennessee anytime soon? I said, this afternoon. He said, meet me at the church. Him and Donna walked out there with a CD of her daddy, Stendhal Ballou, preaching. In June of 1979, on a Thursday night at Canaan Land Baptist Church in Reedsville, North Carolina. She said, Joe, ain't that tonight that you heard daddy preach and got under conviction and went home and got saved? I said, Donna, it is. Where in the world did you find that? Said daddy's kept it in his briefcase all these years. Son, I put that thing in that CD player. But in my mind went back to that Thursday night in June of 1979 at that man of God screaming and a squalling and a yelling and a stomping about dying by that God and going to hell, a lost church member. Well, I'm glad I heard it that night. And I'm glad I done something about it. Have you done something about it in your life? 
Don't raise your hand, but how many could? If, don't do it, but how many could? You could raise your hand today and say, I'm going to be in heaven because I got saved. God save me. I trusted Christ as my personal Savior. God save me. And when that phrase breaks out in heaven, hallelujah, look for me. I'm going to be in that crowd thanking God, not for reformation, not for water baptism, not for good works, but thanking God for old time salvation. Hallelujah, salvation. Let's thank him today and praise him for our salvation. The songwriter put it like this while they're coming. Before I can shout, hallelujah. Before I can sing my new song, I must kneel at the feet of Jesus just to thank him for what he has done. But I thank him for what he has done. I must look back to the crucified one. On that beautiful shore, I must kneel once more just to thank him for what he has done. Let's stand all over the building this morning with our heads bowed.